Welcome to Market Chat. How is your digital and social media strategy working for you? Sponsored by Government Marketing University. Here's today's moderators, Luann Brossman and Steve Watkins. Welcome to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing with hot topics, best practices, exciting guests, and innovative ideas. Market Chat is an ongoing series that we provide through Government Marketing University. And today our topic is get your social media groove on. I'm here today with Steve Watkins, who's our chief marketing officer. I'm sorry, he's our chief content officer. But today he's got his chief marketing hat on because he's going to help us with social media insight as well. How are you doing, Steve? Hey, great. Good to be here. You know, this has been um, a show I've been wanting to do for a long time because social media, hello, been around forever. But overall, I think it's safe to say government has been a little slower to adopt. We're seeing it now really growing extensively, primarily because of the uh, citizen services and the um, citizens engagement that government is doing. We're having a lot of people coming into GMARQU these days from government on the federal side and state and local, really wanting to get educated on digital marketing and social media marketing. So I am really pumped, and we've got a lot of great information to get out today. Very excited about our stellar panel that we have with us today. So let me do an introduction. First off, we have Edward Griffin. He's the Chief of Marketing at Defense Logistics Agency. Edward serves as the Chief of Marketing and Commercial sponsor, Sponsorship for DLA, Defense Logistics Agency. And Edward was with us a couple years ago at our GAIN conference, and he really has great insight for marketers on social media, but also just overall DOD. So, Edward, thanks for being with us. Next, we have Ashton Moore. Ashton is a partner and co-founder for Model B. Model B is an award-winning digital marketing agency that helps bring to life ideas, businesses, and causes. And I've known Ashton now for a couple years, and he's just going to give us all kinds of information. Very happy to be here, Luann. Thank you. We also have John Simpson, who's the Digital Strategy Manager for 2060 Digital, WTOP, Federal News Network, as the Digital Strategy Manager for 2060. John partners with organizations and businesses to develop their digital communication strategies and guide complex initiatives with measurable success. And I love that measurable success because every single marketer, that's their end goal. You know, their end goal is to really make sure that they're able to report back in exactly the success that they're having. So I'm really pumped that the Federal News Network is really expanding with the 2060 Digital. Um, and I think that the marketers are going to be excited to hear what you have to say today. So thanks for joining us. I'm excited to be here. Yay. All right. So um, even though we've all done social media for a while, I think that it's really important for us to really take a step back and take a look at what our government customers, our government prospects are doing So recently, Market Connections, who we all know, uh, they're an awesome organization. They're a strategic partner of GMARQU, and they do a lot of annual studies. And they recently had their 2019 federal content uh, study, and it was held back in October. So what we're going to do today is Steve Watkins is going to share some of those stats. And I think those stats might surprise some of our listeners, and it's really going to set the stage for what we'll talk about today. So, Steve, take it over. Yeah, thanks, Luann. So, uh, again, this came out in uh, the end of October. They've been doing this this study every year for quite a while. Uh, and Thank goodness, because it's yeah, full of great information. Exactly. And I remember when they first started introducing social media, uh, the numbers were not too impressive, uh, and understandably so. Uh, but, but this year, it's pretty interesting. Um, and what they found out uh, from their survey of the uh, federal government employees, uh, 76% uh, roughly, of federal employees are uh, using Facebook uh, actively. Uh, That was the biggest platform. Uh, LinkedIn uh, got about 56% um, of federal employees. Instagram, 42%, and Twitter, 42%. So I I thought that was kind of interesting that Instagram is – as high as it is, kind of ranked with Twitter. I think so, and I think that's you know that's a good tip. You know, as we know through these programs, we're always offering out tips to our listeners: is don't just focus on one platform right. because they're watching and listening. Exactly, to all of and them. that's that's exactly what this says. It's it's also interesting to drill in a little bit further and see uh, what platform, social media platforms, feds are using on a daily basis. And Facebook, probably not a surprise for most people. Uh, ranks uh, as the the most used of the uh, of the platforms. Thirty eight percent of Feds using it on a daily basis. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn are kind of distant seconds. Uh, all kind of in eleven percent uh, for LinkedIn uh, using it 
on a daily basis, only 13% for Instagram on a daily basis and 14% uh, for Twitter on a daily basis. So uh, those three particular platforms are still kind of getting up to speed in terms of being a regular go-to platform, but uh, but obviously Facebook is, is already up there. So pretty impressive. Yep. Uh, and then the other thing that I thought uh, from the Market Connections study that, that they looked at and and I thought it was interesting was kind of looking at the full kind of daily life of a Fed uh, on social media and when are they using social media and and to what extent. When they wake up, uh, roughly 14 percent are are actually checking social media platforms, um, which is a significant number because during the day it, it, it definitely levels off. The morning commute as you might expect, is pretty low at 8%. So that's probably, you know, folks on the bus or on the subway train or, or in a, a ride share. Um, during the work work day, uh, 11% are using it. And then it definitely uh, bumps up during the lunch break with 22% people checking their, uh, 22% of, of feds checking their social media uh, platforms. And I think this that takeaway there, and this is going to be a question we'll ask when we're, we're done with this, hearing all these great numbers is you need to make sure you're feeding them all day long, right? right? From the morning till night through the customer journey. It's a campaign. It's a journey. Uh, the evening commute uh, mirrors the morning commute, 8%. Uh, folks you know, I would think that in. number would be higher because of public transportation. So I think that warrants, you know, trying to watch that number next year when Market Connections does this next study. Yeah. See if that changes. But remember, this is a national study. So in That's D.C., there's there's a lot of uh, uh, commuting and uh Mass transit, but and I think the other thing you so bring much. up a good point. It's it's national and it's not just IT. Right. I think that's important right. for our listeners to know. That's right. And then the <clears throat> the biggest, uh, as as probably is true for most of us, uh, most people check after work in the evening. Forty two percent of Feds. That's when uh, they're checking their social media platforms. So that's that is definitely the uh, the sweet spot. Um. <clears throat> They had another uh, question, and what I th- I, th- I thought this was pretty interesting. Social media ranks number four uh, as being the kind of top uh, platform uh, for feds who spend 15 minutes or more per day. Um, so, for instance, uh, the number one platform that feds are, are using – uh, is online news. That's what they're checking on. They're checking their news online. Uh, 51% are doing that uh, every day for 15 minutes or more. Uh, number two was TV news. Number three was listening to to the radio, which makes sense. And then number four was social media. So mm-hmm. it's right up there with with all the primary ways of of reaching uh, uh, federal employees and. And what we'll do is we'll do this again next year at the same time after the 2020 study comes out. And we'll all come back together if our guests will join us again, and we'll see how those numbers change. Yeah. yeah. Um, one other thought I, I, I or, or takeaway from that survey I thought was interesting was one in 10 feds uh, share work-related uh, online content via social media, which is not big. One in ten, obviously, it's it's uh, it can definitely improve. But uh, I think there's two things to, to take away from that. Uh, one is it's not completely insignificant. I mean, there if if you if there is uh, good shareable educational content out there that that is that resonates with with feds that uh, uh, they're going to be engaged with and and find interesting for their work. Uh, they're going to share it. So that's, I think, an important takeaway. Um, and then the other one is, uh, like I say, th- there's a lot of room for improvement there. So uh, to the extent that our audience is, is engaged in social media uh, campaigns, uh, definitely keep that in mind that that's, uh, that's what you're looking for is getting that information shared via social media. You know, I think another tip for that is marketers, as you're thinking about the content you're posting, right? Because everything you're posting on social media and digital needs to be Uh, relevant and start thinking about posting things and figuring out a cool marketing way to make the reader, your federal prospector, customer, or partner want to share it. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's a really great tip. And that's that was pretty yeah, much the those sum are, up for that. Those are great numbers, and we'll circle back several times throughout the program today back on those uh, because it's telling us that social media is very much here. It's prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, government is using it, so we are obviously talking about the right topic. 
So I'm going to take some time now um, to go through each of our speakers and kind of just tell us what you think the world of social media is. What is it? What is social media? I'm going to go to John first. The world of social media is where your audience is. Um, we, as consumers, um, is the best way to think about how you should be engaging with people. When you are looking for a product, when you're looking for news, usually you're going to Facebook, you're going to Google, you're going to YouTube. Um, you're engaging with these different channels online, not necessarily with the same expectation of engagement, but it's just how the world is, is that I'm going to social media this morning to figure out is OPM open or not, because that may affect whether I'm working with someone today is going to be at work or not. Um, it also has to do with how I even consume information. We have, uh, you know, the leader of our country uses Twitter on a regular basis. It's something that is just part of how we now engage with content. So it's more about how do you use social media and how does your audience use it? Um, and then the kind of content, it just different channels have different expectations, how to use different content. So part of any social media marketing plan needs to be not just be, where's our audience? Can we engage in that channel? And also, what kind of content and levels of expectation should we have for that engagement on each channel? And I think all those questions are great. And marketers, I would write those questions down. And as you're planning out your next social media campaign, or really not even social media campaign, social media is, and digital media is, a component of your overall marketing campaign. So as you're starting to build out your expectations, make sure you're answering those questions to reach your audience. Ashton? Well, I think John did a wonderful job of explaining what social media is and I think it's just important to remember um, the power of of what you can get um, if you properly utilize the platforms by building Luann as you said content that's engaging informative and helpful what will happen is if people share that content you're essentially getting an endorsement from somebody who's saying shouting in front of all their friends that I trust this company, I trust this brand. And so it's, it creates a ripple effect. So mm -hmm. the opportunity is tremendous, assuming you do it correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Edward, how about you? Coming with your government voice and your well, personal voice as well. From the military market standpoint, it's all about community. And so military families uh, staying connected with their families and friends uh, is very important to uh, soldiers. I like that. Uh, very important to our veterans. And so we use social media tools um, for that connection. And so uh, anything, resources that we can provide to our military families, um, any type of engagement through social media tools, we're right there at mm -hmm. it. I like that. You know, I, I guess that's one of my favorite things about social media is building a community mm -hmm. because it's, it's just a great way to do so. All right, that's all great. So um, let's talk about now... Some great examples of social media. So Ashton, you shared with us a really interesting, what you believe around TSA example. So share that with us. I do. I think when, um, so as I mentioned earlier, the best way to find uh, success on social media is, you know, build content that's shareable. And I think that the way to do that is to essentially appeal to your audiences by building something that's uh, unique to you. Um, that's interesting um, and that's informative. And if you do those things, you're increasing the possibility that person X, who's in your audience, looks at you, sees your content, shares your content, and thus endorses you. And I love the TSA's example. They, they did such an amazing job, um, you know, making sure that they are being interesting by using something that nobody else has. So what they found is... Um, they created an Instagram account and they share this content across all the other channels, but they actually take pictures of the ridiculous things that people try to bring through the TSA. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Add I humor mean. where you can. Yes, exactly. So you, would, you wouldn't think, I mean, we've all been through the TSA and it, would you imagine that the TSA would have great content? Like I, I wouldn't think so, but, but they, they do. And from that, that point on now, every time I'm at the airport, I start chuckling to myself thinking about the time that somebody tried to bring a sword through TSA. Like, why would you do that? And so I think that's just a wonderful example of them sitting down and saying, what do we have that nobody else does? Right. And so let's share that with the world. I love think, that. Yes. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, have John share with us what he thinks is a really good example of social media use in government. 
So a really good example is also something that we were not seeing Instagram being used as much, but someone who's using a really good use of Instagram is the National Park Service. They have an ongoing campaign called Find Your Park, and it's all about just highlighting their best resource, national parks. It's something that is applicable for almost everyone else. You go outdoors, there's usually a national park near you, but it's also something that allows them to leverage user-generated content. So not just content they have to worry about creating all the time, but content that's shared by other people as they find their own park. And the nice thing is that it's visually stunning. Almost every national park is designated national park because of how beautiful it is, how it is a resource that every American should engage with. So the whole point of their campaign is not just to reinforce of all these great photos out there, but to make sure that people can share their own photos and be um, boosted even more by the National Park Service. I love that. And it goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier on, on the Market Connections survey is really identifying uh, content that people will want to share, you know, and, and photos and graphics are, are such a great way to do that. So I love that. I love both of the examples. I know we're going to have much more, but we have to take a break. Stay with us as we talk about getting your social media groove on. You're listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing. Brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Government Marketing University is an innovative learning platform that applies a collaborative, community-based approach towards knowledge sharing and skills development in the field of public sector marketing. Experts from all corners of the U.S. public sector marketplace, marketers, thought leaders, government, media, and sales, are contributing their knowledge to this unique, content-rich platform. Government Marketing University offers training, research, certifications, mentoring, and community resources all in one place. Learn more at gmarku.com. Welcome back to Market Chat by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is Luann Brossman. I'm the president of Government Marketing University, and our episode today, Steve... Uh, my co-chair over here, Steve Watkins, our chief content officer at GMarkU. We're talking about how to get your social media groove on. And we learned a lot in the first session, which brought up a lot more questions for me to ask our guests today on the second panel. And one of them came right out of the Market Connections study. By the way, if any of our listeners would like to download that study, go to marketconnectionsinc.com and you can download their full study. But I found that when Steve was talking about the time of day that federal users are looking at social media, I thought of the question in my head, well, when you're posting out social media ads on the different platforms, can you say, I only want these ads to show from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m.? Can you do that, John? Yes, and you should. Okay. Most of the time, you want to think about what's the consumer behavior when you're pushing out information. And this is not just from social media. This is for anything. When you're sending out your newsletter, when you think people are actually going to engage with it, What's the best time for you to send out a promoted post, like a paid advertisement or organic content? It does matter. The trick here is that it usually matters based upon your audience. So the most important way to figure out how, what is going to be the most impactful time is look at your own metrics. Mm. When are people engaging with your website? When are people opening up your emails? When are people liking and engaging with your social content? The data is going to tell you the best practice for you. Okay, great. I love it. So now yeah. we already we learned something. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about is you hear the term organic versus paid. So, Ashton, give us some insight into what the difference is. Very simple. Organic is the content that you post for free. And paid is when you're paying the advertisers to put your ad in front of people on their platform. So it's very important with organic to think about uh, what your audience actually want, wants to engage with and what they want to share. Like, think about what they like. Uh, tie it back to what you do and figure out how to build that bridge of what you do that's interesting to them mm -hmm. so that you're getting those organic likes and shares. On the paid side, you can force it by spending lots of money. So. <laughs> and, you know, on the organic side, one thing I want a tip, because we always like to give tips when we do our market chat, is for marketers to pay attention. This is really works well with agency-based marketing. So this is what we preach a lot at GMarkU is really target into the rich agencies. And pay attention to where their CIO, their CTO, their CISO, anybody in that agency that's out talking about a relevant topic that is mapped back to your solution. 
if that person has been out on stage at a public event and had a quote, use that quote. And you can use that quote in your marketing. Better yet, on social media, if somebody in that agency, and this happens a lot of times, the public affairs officers are actually taking quotes and posting it, you can re-tag, you can re-forge, you can like it. Start getting your name out there. That takes a little bit of time, but it is so worth the payoff for sure. All right, so that's good. So the next question I have is for both of you, actually, Ashton and John, you know, what's new in social media? So Ashton, we'll toss that first one to you. Ooh, well, I would say the, the big, the one big flashing word is regulation. Um, mm. So what's what you see a lot now, especially with Twitter making a big, bold statement by saying that they're not going to do any more political or issue-based advertising, um, that can throw a wrench in your paid plans. We've talked about paid before. So if you actually want to go to a platform and give them money, um, they are regulating more and more what you're allowed to say in the ads. And, you know, that can very quickly put a wrench in your plans if you're in one of the regions that they are controlling. So as we move into 2020, uh, what's new is that we have to pay very, very close attention to where those laws and regulations are shifting. John? Um, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, privacy is something that's going to become more and more important, as listeners may remember from congressional testimonies. Um, it's going to become a bigger issue as certain laws that are running through California, regulations that are happening in Europe are eventually going to become a federal thing. And eventually we will have to adjust to it. What it looks like, who knows? But most of us are engaging with people across the country. Mm-hmm. So the important thing to know is not just what are those regulations, but also what are the changing terms and conditions of these different social platforms? What can I do? What can I not do? A lot of that's going to depend upon your own counsel's office and what they allow you to do or not do. Yeah, I would agree with that. We're starting to see um, on the federal marketing horizon and even on the state and local side as well, especially California, right? Very strict requirements. But we're starting to see on the federal space specifically that they're paying attention to it. They're talking about it. GMARC U will be coming out with quite a bit of information to make sure we're educating our market. Uh, recently, a, a marketer received a their company received a pretty stern email from a fairly large government federal agency saying, "If you send another email to this person, we will come after you." Didn't say it that way, but that was basically the gist. Wow. And that was the first time that I've seen that. Have Have any of you seen any of that yet? I've sent those emails, but I've never seen them. <laughs> on that I side. mean, a, a lot of what's happening is not necessarily being enforced yet. A lot of the privacy laws, I think, um, the European Union's privacy laws is going to start to be enforced next year. Um, it's only going to take one class action lawsuit for right. everyone to actually get serious about it. So it's something best be proactive about, especially about your privacy policy and your cookie policy. Mm-hmm. Explain that your cookie policy, because now everywhere I go, I'm being asked to say, "Is it okay?" That I have cookies? So whenever Tell us you, what that means. Whenever you go to a website, you are usually cookied. Cookied means it's a small piece of information that tracks what you do that's still anonymized. So if you look within your Google Analytics, as far as what people have done on your website, what they engage with, all that is possible through cookies. If you want to retarget someone who's been through a website, you've been cookied. If you've gone to Amazon, you put something in your cart, and you didn't buy it, and then you see it everywhere, you've been cookied. The whole point is to usually get better content to the right people, but a lot of it has to do with privacy. So if you have anything to do with online tracking, Mm -hmm. your own cookie policy is going to be something that you need to track it. And it's a much larger conversation. So why is it just over the past two to three months, maybe four months, we're starting to see on websites having to say okay to cookies? What has happened that's made that change? A lot of it is the kind of scares or traction that's been happening in the European Union. Um, there is a policy that's going forward is that you actually have to get permission for websites to track you. Or is there even a monetary benefit for me giving up my own personal information mm-hmm. that you're then selling to third parties? What do I get out of it? It's becoming much more transparent. So now, just like when you accept the terms and conditions when you join Gmail or you join Twitter or when you join Facebook, it's that same terms and conditions acceptance that will happen every time you go to a website. So we do a lot of geo-targeting in the government market space, right? And geo-targeting, and this is kind of a question to, to all three of you, really. Geo-targeting is if I go to your website, you're going to know me because of cookies, and you're now going to follow me around, which is golden, right, to a marketer mm-hmm. to now have that. So um, is that here to stay? I mean, do you think cookies are here to stay? Is that kind of where it's going? So uh, should marketers be educating themselves on how to retarget? 
using that or how much shelf life are we at right now? I'd say it's probably going to evolve. Um, I don't know if there is a way to say what's going to happen or not happen Mm -hmm. just because the law is so new and it's evolving and everyone's really trying to still figure out what it is. Retargeting is really you know, the silver bullet. Not there is a silver bullet. It's one of the best ways to actually engage with people because you know if they've gone to your website, their intent is a lot higher than someone who's just in the market for something. So hopefully, for my own sake, retargeting will be around for a long, <laughs> long time. Um, but maybe done in a, hesitate to say, a more responsible way. Right, right. And Ashton, share with us within Model B, how are you guys doing retargeting to help your clients? I actually, it's one of the first suggestions for any campaign ever because of what John just said, which is that um, somebody's already expressed the greatest form of intent if they're visiting your website. And so um, they're also uh, a very low, what's called a CPM or a cost per mil, which is per thousand impressions. Usually the CPM cost is much lower than other forms of uh, digital advertising. So your social CPM be much higher than your display retargeting CPM. Mm -hmm. So not only are you showing it to the right people, but it's incredibly cost effective. So it's a great way as like a step one, not sure where to start, turn on retargeting. Goes back to content, right? So if a marketer has good content that that prospect or customer even wants, they're going to come to your website or your landing page. Same thing, Mm -hmm. right? They can have a unique landing page and, and drive them there. I know we teach, as I said earlier, a lot around customer journey. And I forget the percentage, there, but I will put it on our website for everybody when we post the notes from today's program. But there's a very large percentage of buyers that are out perusing the Internet, probably coming to your website long before you know that their agency is looking for a procurement. This can be a small procurement. It can be a multi-billion dollar procurement. So marketers, you need to be thinking about um, having the, these tools going and running seamlessly so that you're capturing these people long before your salespeople know that there's an opportunity. So I think it's a really important thing. Leading me to influencer marketing. So we hear that term a lot, especially on the commercial side. Let's talk about really what is influencer marketing and how can marketers really take advantage of that in the federal space, in the state and local space as well. John? Influencer marketing is simply someone else endorsing a product. It's gotta love so, that. It's something that's been around forever. It's just now it's taken on almost a new term with the advent of social media. When something goes viral, that's influencer marketing. It's just that usually someone's been paid for it. It's obviously then much harder to do within the government space. So it's best not to think about it as a you're paying someone from your time is that you're trying to get someone to be an endorser for it, but in a more natural way. Mm -hmm. So when you have someone speak at a conference and talk about how great the product is engaging with people and how it connects citizens to government, that's an influencer marketing campaign. You just want to make sure that you're leveraging that content in as many ways as possible. Blog posts, Mm -hmm. video, social, SEO content. You want to make sure that as much as possible, if someone who is generally a champion of your brand, you can then leverage, especially if they're a thought leader with the audiences you want to engage with. It doesn't have to be on social media. It can be through any other marketing channel you're engaging with. Yeah. Yeah, I would just, uh, to add to that, I would just say there are a few things more powerful than an endorsement from somebody that somebody trusts. So it's worth every minute of thinking through an influencer strategy for any organization. You know, and we've recognized that quite a while. within Government Marketing University. So I encourage our listeners to go to gmarku.com and look under Learn and just see the wonderful ambassadors that we have there. An ambassador at gmarku, they're all former government executives. They're CIOs, they're CISOs, they're SESers, and they want to give back to the community. They still care. They're no longer in government. A lot of them are consultants. A lot of them are professors at gmarku and other places as well. So we have a ready-made influencer team, you know, for listeners today. So make sure that you're using that. Uh, Ashton, I want to talk to you because um, conference wrapping, you know, I've said for a while, if I never had to do another trade show booth in my life, I'd be dancing all day long because there's a lot of other ways. A lot of times the influencers, they're at the conference workshops, right? They're not necessarily on the trade show floor. So we hear a lot of marketers talking today about wrapping a conference. What does that mean? So imagine that you could put up a billboard in front of the conference with your ad on it. And you can do that now through digital wrapping or conference wrapping. And so you can actually buy out the, the geo space around uh, a conference. And what we do is not just the conference, but also the, 
major hotel blocks as well. Ah. So making sure that we're reaching people once they're off the floor, um, you know, just hanging out at the end of the day. Um, we're sending them ads as well. And it's, uh, it does two things. The first thing is, you know, it's bringing you exposure to some of what are likely the hardest to find people all in one place who may not even use social media. They may only use display networks, and then you get to reach them with your ads and your logo and your your offering and your materials. The other thing it does is for us, because uh, we conference wrap for Model B, it can save you a plane flight, which is very nice sometimes. Absolutely, because, especially in you know economies of scale, right? Yes. Kind of save your your precious marketing dollars. Exactly, it's very it's a very powerful tool because it's exactly where they are, and um, sometimes it can save you a booth. How about you, John, with Federal News Network? What are you guys doing around that today? So when we're using uh, conference wrapping or another way to think about it is geofencing, mm-hmm. it's usually when we're trying to reach people who are hard to get through other traditional means. And what do you know most often not that are gubbies and they're people within the military. And Federal News Network has great content. It's just sometimes it can be hard to actually get that content to the right person through a lot more traditional means. We still, of course, use social media. We use Facebook, we use LinkedIn, we use email marketing, we use paid advertisements through display. But we find that geofencing gets us to the right person. But we also have to be thinking about the consumer journey or even the user experience. Most of the time, if I'm trying to reach someone within the military or someone who works at the Pentagon, their phone that I can actually target with any sort of geofence advertising is off, right? It's at security. You can't reach them. However, when they go into the parking lot of the Pentagon, uh-huh. that's when they turn on their civilian devices, that they're looking at their personal tax Because messages. it's been off all day and they're dying to see their Facebook posts. And... Exactly. Or they just want to engage with loved ones. So they you want... can zero down to the Pentagon parking lot. The Pentagon parking lot. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a little creepy, but if you think about it <laughs> a way that you're just trying to get relevant information to relevant audiences mm-hmm. where they naturally are ready to engage with that type of content – you're not forcing anything. Yeah. That's the important thing. With Ooh, I any- could see a banner saying, you are walking through the Pentagon parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about open data. Yeah, exactly. I love that. All right, we only have a, a couple of more minutes on this segment. So I want to talk a little bit about um, how and why SEO is different than social media, because I think that there's some confusion out there. So what do you think on that? Yes, SEO and social media should be different line items in your budget. And so what will happen if it's not? SEO is search engine op- optimization. So that means you're spending uh, usually the time of a writer uh, writing content on your website that uh, makes it respond to certain keywords. Um, and that would be organic searches on Google, Yahoo, or Bing. Um, and so budgeting that time of the writer is very different from having a paid media budget. So that paid media budget is dollars you're feeding the advertising machines to geo-target a parking lot around the Pentagon or to uh, boost a Facebook ad um, or wrap a conference. And so when planning your, you know, your next year's budget, um, always think about having your organic or your SEO optimization and your paid digital advertising as separate line items so you don't actually accidentally spend all in the wrong place. Got to do both. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say quickly is that organic is always going to be the lowest cost conversion you will ever get, ever, ever. So make sure when you think about your organic content, yes, of course you want to share that on social media, but even when Google is looking at who ranks for what on mm-hmm. Google or Bing or Yahoo, they don't care about social yeah. media. They care about content on your website, how it's relevant to your audience. I think that's a whole other class, Steve, that we should create with GMarQ is how to do that. Yeah. So I'm going to add that down for 2020. We need to take a break, and we're going to talk to Edward Griffin when we come back all about how to do this in the DOD. So uh, you've been listening to Market Chat on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Government Marketing University is an innovative learning platform that applies a collaborative, community-based approach towards knowledge sharing and skills development in the field of public sector marketing. Experts from all corners of the U.S. public sector marketplace, marketers, thought leaders, government, media, and sales, are contributing their knowledge to this unique, content-rich platform. Government Marketing University offers training, research, certifications, mentoring, and community resources all in one place. Learn more at gmarku.com. Welcome back to Market Chat by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. 
This is Luann Brosman. I'm the president of GMARQ, and I have here with me today Steve Watkins, who is our chief content officer, and we're talking all about get your social media groove on in your government marketing. So I'm excited because the next segment, we're going to be talking with Edward Griffin. Edward is the chief of marketing for the Defense Logistics Agency. Prior to that, I believe you were with the Army as the chief marketing officer, right? Correct, yeah. So you've got a lot of experience. Edward was um, on a panel we had at one of our game conferences that Steve moderated a few years back, and he's just full of great information. I wish we had like six hours uh, to pick your brain, Edward. But we're going to kind of talk to you now about what you see on the landscapes within the military and how marketers can learn from you. So, Steve, I'm going to pass it over to you. Yeah, so, Edward, um, TikTok uh, has been in the news, uh, one of the uh, new video sharing uh, social media sites. Um, So I understand there's been some, some kind of new guidance uh, across DOD in terms of how people are using that. What's what's the latest with that? Yes. Uh, again, thank you for having me. Uh, so the concerns that we have with TikTok is really due out of security and uh, user data. And so, uh, you know, we're advising um, our young cadets and also our, you know, active duty service members um, to not use it in an official capacity while in uniform. Um, uh, we are very... Uh, open to the fact that our, our service members are using the platform and to engage with um, their friends and family. Uh, and so that's perfectly fine. But in an official capacity, uh, it's, it's very concerning for us. And so uh, we, we don't want our, our data to end up in the wrong hands. And so um, that's, that's the latest that we have right now coming from the DOD. Yeah, great. So uh, in terms of public sector marketing, that's that's when you probably want to shy away from Yeah, yeah. I personally had never heard of TikTok, but um, I think Ashton and John, they were nodding. They've heard of it. So I think that warrants us to do a little bit more explanation exploration on the GMARQ side so that we can recognize exactly what it is and let our marketers know, um, especially on the DOD side. I mean, that's, that's interesting. I'm excited to go kind of research what it's all about. All right. Um, you know, back Edward, it's probably been four years ago now, time flies, but I was getting ready to do a presentation and working towards gaining some access to Army for a a campaign. And so I just Googled social media Army and up popped this amazing 68-page document written by the Army, which they were setting their social media standards. And it was full of amazing information. And I was pretty impressed and very excited. And I wanted to know from you, is that common? Do most of the different branches with the military have public information that marketers can get their hands on? Yes, absolutely. So through our public affairs offices, um, each military branch um, has a social media guide um, that we produce um, and update each year uh, for not only for service members, uh, for their families, but also for any type of commanders and any type of senior leadership so that they can engage properly uh, while on any social media platform. Uh, understanding that you're representing the United States government. Um, And so um, security, uh, user data, and privacy are very important to the Department of Defense. So uh, how often are those published? Um, They're updated every year. Um, So each branch of service, so there's going to be, you know, the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, we all each have, and the Air Force, each have a specific um, guideline uh, for social media. Okay, good. So, um, so listeners, again, go go look for that immediately, right? And we will absolutely pull them down as well, and we'll get them loaded up on our website um, underneath Market Chat, so everybody can have access to it. And a side note, not really have anything to do with social media, but I want to encourage our listeners not only what we're talking about from a social media standpoint, but every single solitary government agency has their strategic plan, usually right up on their websites, where you can go pull down. And not only will you be able to use that or can use that for your marketing, but you can share that with your sales team, your business development team, your capture team, and really starting to make sure in 2020 that you're showing that extra value add for marketers. So government is publishing. Government has public information. Make sure we're using it. Let's talk about uh, reaching the military families. I know that's something near and dear to your heart as well as overall military. And I think marketers as well, while we're focused on really reaching uh, decision makers, but part of that as well, the, the goodwill of giving back. So talk about how you see the military using social media for families of those that are working hard to save us, protect uh, us. Well, the, the community that I, I talked about earlier, um, building that community is very important. Um, it's all about staying connected, especially with um, deployed spouses um, and being remote, um, being away from home. 
Um, and so through Facebook groups, through different um, applications that we've um, um, produced through um, our uh, social media campaigns, through marketing and through mm-hmm. the MWR programs and family And let me programs. stop right there. MWR. So this is a fascinating thing to me, and it was <laughs> when I met you several years ago. Explain to our listeners what MWR is. So each branch of service, what we call an MWR program, and that's morale, welfare, and recreation. And that um, encompasses child care, food and beverage operations, golf courses, you name it, bowling alleys, those types of things. Anything that has to do with any type of quality of life programs, on a military installation, MWR manages that. And we're going to come back at the end of the session today before we wrap up. I want to hear a little bit more about that because I think there's some interesting sponsorships and things that our marketers might want to be interested in. So you see definitely then that um, you're obviously reaching military families. And are you starting to see technology companies doing the same? Yes. Uh, You know, the the military market is huge. Um, There is... um, 38 million service members, active duty, retired, wow. and reserve, um, their families. Um, and so they have over about $1 trillion in buying power. And so the military market yeah. is huge. And yes. so uh, there's always brand engagement and then brands trying to reach the military market, mm-hmm. and through mainly through any type of discount program or promotion um, that they're trying to engage with. That's really – that's. Again, this is why we do these programs, because we get all this great information. So from your perspective, because you've been doing this a long time, um, tell us an example of, of what you feel was something that worked really well as it pertains to getting your social media groove on. So who did that good? Well, I just want to get, provide an example from the U.S. Army uh, mm-hmm. and my counterparts um, there with the MWR program. So we've been really focused on esports, and so through our esports competition um, across the services, uh, we've been able to... Um, garner a huge following from our active duty um, soldiers. Um, they're looking for that off-duty um, excitement um, to build that adrenaline rush <laughs> after getting off of, you know, work. And so building up on esports and being able to engage with them through our social media platforms, mm-hmm. mainly Facebook, um, and getting their friends and families to vote for them uh, through the competition has been very, very positive. Um, in addition to that, we have a world-class athlete program. Um, hmm. A lot of our soldiers, active duty soldiers, are um, practicing and you know uh, competing for the, the Olympics. And so being able to connect with all of our athletes, our soldier athletes as we call them, um, through profiles and different you know uh, feel-good stories. Um, so that's been very, very promising. So we're looking forward to um, the engagement there with our, our active duty soldiers. I bet. Yeah, you know, the whole MWR I'd like to kind of drill down a little bit more. I want our listeners to really understand the power um, and the reach that they can get into military bases all over the world, American military bases all over the world, by really teaming with individuals such as yourself. And then you have others similar to you at bases all over that. Uh, For example, listeners, when I first got to know Edward and his team at DLA, they reached out because you were doing some type of, it had been going on for a few months, and I want to say it was like something to do with your gym at DLA Mm -hmm. and um, having a weight loss program. And then your head, I was got a three-star general, maybe a four-star general. Three-star. Three-star, pretty impressive, uh, was then coming downstairs in your large, if any of you have ever been to DLA, it's a very massive complex. How many people work out of there? Oh, well, I mean, about 8,000. A lot, a lot. Um, And, of course, all of our sales, you know, people for the marketers that are listening, they're all very familiar with that. But you have a very large open area, and you were looking for sponsors. You were looking for for typical sponsors to want to come in and sponsor this. And so we did that to great success. And so you take just that and you times that by a gazillion to all the bases all over the world. So talk a little bit about who these sponsors are. You've got a, a group. I know you had me speak a couple of years ago. You brought them all in, and, and we spoke about marketing. But talk a little bit about what that is. You've got people at bases that marketers can work with to get visibility on the bases, right? Right, right. So through our commercial sponsorship program across military installations worldwide, um, brands can advertise uh, and also sponsor events. Uh, on military installations. And so um, that's done through our commercial sponsorship program. And so uh, we've had you at some of our events Mm -hmm. there at DLA. Um, There's major events across military installations that are including uh, family programs and those types of things. Um, So 
we are always looking for um, brands to engage with the military market through display advertising. Um, and so um, there's different ways you can do that. You can do that through an event, um, through uh, either some of our facilities mm-hmm. um, that you mentioned, our, our recreation programs yes. through our gym. Um, and so that's one of the, just one of the programs that MWR manages is all the fitness centers um, across um, the military installations around the world. And think about that, marketers. Put your advertising in the fitness center, right? I mean, mm-hmm. how cool is that? And really thinking outside the box that, yes, we're trying to reach influencers or decision makers for large technology purchases or even smaller technology purchases. Get in front of their families as well. You know, go to, you have the big family day, right, Right, at DLA. Mm -hmm. And it's good to get that visibility. So I guess the bottom line there is there's other ways of thinking about reaching uh, the DOD. And we'll have more information on our website as well on that. I just want to mention we also have child development centers. We also have teen centers, different things. If you're not looking just for Mm -hmm. military uh, families or you're looking for teens or specific Mm -hmm. groups, Mm -hmm. um, we can definitely help you with that. Yeah, I think it's just when I first met you and met your team and what you guys do, and then you, you kind of brought me into the fold to understand. So I think that that's something listeners that uh, you all need to ask more questions about. And we'll make sure that we've got that information up on our website because we're all trying to um, expand our knowledge on reaching the government, um, especially on the DOD side for this particular discussion. And this is a way to do it by doing what uh, Edward has taught us on the sponsorship side. So thank you for that. So, Edward, uh, just to kind of close up on that, what are your some final thoughts for you that you can offer to our listeners um, as it pertains to reaching into the military through social media efforts? Uh, final thoughts are, uh, you know, just stay engaged with the military market. Don't forget about the military market. Like, as I mentioned, very, very important part of the, um, the federal network is, you know, that military segment. And so, like I mentioned, 38 million um, active duty soldiers, families, mm-hmm retirees and civilians, um, DOD civilians as well. Um, as you mentioned, you can geo-target. Right, right. <laughs> it's the Pentagon parking lot. There's tons of DOD civilians that are working out of that building. And so, you know, uh, that's been engaged with us. is very important. Uh, and so the military market includes DOD civilians, someone like me. Yep. Um, who are either uh, former military or uh, military brat or just so happen to come across the military positions um, around the world. So... I would say we are welcoming, and especially through our commercial sponsorship program, um, any way we can, you know, connect with a military family member or mm-hmm. or a child or someone, uh, we're we're very welcoming and open to that. Absolutely, you are. And uh, one of the things that GMARC U will be starting in 2020 is field trips, and so we've been talking to your team, right? We're going to have a DLA government marketing field trip. Come on over, exactly. yes, exactly, <laughs> um, and really have marketers see, you know, and, and hear from you on that type of thing. So I look forward to that. And I'm really excited that you you came today. So thank you. Thank you. So Ashton and John, um, as we're getting close to wrapping up, I also want to hear is the question I just asked Edward on final thoughts. So Ashton, kind of share with us your final thoughts to our government marketing listeners around social media, how to get their groove on. I would say to get your groove on on social media, the best thing to do is to be yourself, um, be interesting, and be relevant. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason why is because you're seeking those organic shares. And if people are engaging with you on social media, they want to learn about you. Whether it's your personal account or whether it's your organization, like the TSA, figure out a way to tap into something that checks those boxes of interesting, relevant in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's great insight. How about you, John? I'd say if you need to make the case of why you should be doing more on social media, the best way to do that is with numbers. Mm. and tracking what's working, what's not working. If you are in the government, please use go.usa.gov for your link shorteners and actually track where you're getting good engagement with different pieces of content. Okay, hold on there. Go.usa.gov? Go.usa.gov. And what is that? It's a link shortener for the government. Okay. So this way, it's kind of like Hootsuite or like Bitly, but because it uses a .gov, it can Uh shorten as a .gov and be seen as an authoritative link. But just like Bitly, it also gives you metrics as far as who's engaged with what. So you know what kind of content on one social post versus your email versus your social media, what's getting the best amount of engagement at what time. It's another tool in your toolbox, but that will never replace just regularly looking at your Google Analytics. So my, this is new to me, so I'm, I'm, I'm on this. Go.usa.gov is something a government industry marketer would use? At- yes. 
Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we're going to post that on our website, too. So more information coming on that because if there's a way that we can track, tell us again exactly what it will do. It's a link shortener that allows you to track. it. A lot of social media um, platforms will do this automatically, Twitter, Mm -hmm. Facebook. But the nice thing is that instead of Facebook shortening the link for you, you're still able to get a .gov link. I love that. But it shortens it so it's easy to paste and copy and paste other websites, but also track what's in fact. Boy, that's, I bet you that just piqued everybody's interest listening to this. So come to GMarkU. We're going to have John give us more information on that. What else? What other sites from John would you say? Insights. Google Analytics. Please, Google Analytics. Please look at your Google Analytics regularly. You know, and I, it's funny how many people don't do that, right? And I just, just this morning, Stephanie, who's our chief operating officer, uh, she and I were talking. There's a, a class we can go to to learn Google Analytics. And we're like, you know, because most traditional marketers – that makes our head hurt, but we need to focus on it, right? We don't have marketing ops to do this for us, so it's not hard to learn. Google Academy online, it's free. You used to have to pay for the certification, not anymore. Yeah, and make sure, marketers, that you're tracking that information because the more stats that are positive that you can show, guaranteed, the more budget you're going to get, especially for those of you that might be in a channel partner environment where you are selling different OEM solutions, uh, make sure you're really being able to show those OEMs that you are tracking the hard-earned market development funds that you're getting, and I guarantee that you'll be able to get more. So, gentlemen, this has been awesome. Steve, this has been great today. I agree. So we'd like to have you back one day soon, uh, but the information that you've each provided us has just been awesome. So really thank you for taking the time out, and I have a feeling we're going to be seeing and hearing from each of them again on gmarku.com. So thanks again. And thank you to our listeners for listening today. You've been listening to Market Chat, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to Market Chat. How is your digital and social media strategy working for you? Sponsored by Government Marketing University on Federal News Network. Government Marketing University is an innovative learning platform that applies a collaborative, community-based approach towards knowledge sharing and skills development in the field of public sector marketing. Experts from all corners of the U.S. public sector marketplace, marketers, thought leaders, government, media, and sales, are contributing their knowledge to this unique, content-rich platform. Government Marketing University offers training, research, certifications, mentoring, and community resources all in one place. Learn more at gmarku.com.